Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in downtown Phoenix. Suns a loser and a winner. In Houston, they lose 114 to 110 on Friday night. Booker KD and the newly acquired Royce O'Neal only went one for 15 from three. But Bull Bull carried the team with 25 and 14, and then he played well again yesterday. Suns a winner 123 113 over the Lakers. Nurkic, great, outplaying Davis with 18 points, 22 boards, and seven assists. Grayson Allen had 24. Royce O'Neal chipped in with 20. Frank Vogel, is that your new media? three under the big three. Eric, you know, we have Eric tonight, but um, he's been a big part of it. But those three guys were the stars of the game tonight. Booker, KD, still cold from three. They went three of 12. Suns off until Thursday. Then they have two straight home games against the Houston Rockets. Shocking win, 73-61 over Wazoo. Four and double figures for the Devils. Two players had nine points. Bobby Hurley, what would you think about the balanced offense? I just think overall, if, if we're going to have success the rest of the way, we, you know, we're not going to do it with one guy. It's going to be, you know, any time that we seem to win, there's four, you know, five guys in double figures. We, we need that type of production. Rivalry showdown in Tempe Wednesday night. And that's, of course, against U of A, who has a bounce-back win against UW, 95-71. Caleb Love, 28 points. That gives him 2,000 in his NCAA career. Ballo had 14-14. and 14. Up next, the trip to Tempe, and Tommy Lloyd's ready. We know they're going to respond. Um, you know, they're, they're a streaky team. You know, they, 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 the way they play is hard to play against. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're going to come out and, and spirited with great effort. And, you know, we, we, we respect them as a rival. Tip-off Wednesday night in Tempe at 8 o'clock. Had 11 fewer rebounds than Abilene Christian. They had 10 fewer points from the free throw line at Abilene Christian, and therefore they lost to Abilene Christian. GCU drops to 24-4 with a 79-73 loss. Up next at home against Rio Grande Valley on Thursday night. It's now a 12-game losing streak. They got the game tied early on the road in Winnipeg in the third inning on a Schmaltz second goal tonight, but wasn't enough as they gave up a goal 30 seconds into the OT. Clayton Keller left the game in the second period. Coach Turney, what can you tell us? No, no, I don't know. He will be a upper bunny, but I don't know how long he will be in. That's, I don't have an update. Coyotes off until tomorrow night when their take on the Canadiens in Canada. D-backs lost Friday 3-0, but, Colo- but starter Tommy Henry looked great. Two innings, struck out three. Beat Colorado Saturday again. Ryan Nelson looked great. Two innings pitched, struck out five, didn't give up a run. And then Slade Ciccone crushed the White Sox. Two innings pitched, didn't allow a walk or a run. He looked fantastic, so no starting pitcher has given up a run. They take on the A's in Mesa at one. A federal judge in the case of the University of Tennessee in the NCAA has ruled you can't restrict NIL at all. 
Cody Bellinger signed a three-year, $80 million deal to remain as a Chicago Cub. And finally, meet Camilla Gabraska from Ireland. You see, in 2017, she was rear-ended, the poor girl, and she suffered debilitating injuries, so she sued an insurance company saying she can't lift anything heavy ever again and sued for 600,000 euros. She was supposedly winning the case until the insurance company showed a picture to the judge that was taken 11 months after the accident. When Camilla won a Christmas tree throwing contest. Oh, wait. Um, Obviously, she was miraculously cured to win the contest, but said she was in so much pain she had to cry to her husband to bring her her medication. The insurance company got to keep their money. (laughs) All right, this... This matters to me. It matters a lot. The Franz Family Euchre Tournament. The World Championships of Euchre were held at the house Saturday. And I finished in second place. Come on! Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. How are you? Hopefully everything going uh, thrilling in life for you. Uh, For me, yeah, a little bit of pain and suffering from the event. I had 63 points in the Euchre Tournament. Walter had 67 points, lost by four. Now, truth be told, Walter 100% deserved it. Because when I defeated Walter in one of the head-to-head matchups with Walter, I had an incredible benefit of mistakes that were made by Walter's playing partner. I would never call out General Lance on air, so I will not say who it was. But it was, it was, it was some bad mistakes. And therefore, I beat Walter because of things that were out of Walter's control. And yet, he overcame that terrible deficit and won by four points and that that hurts that that hurts it was it was heartbreak it was heartbreak and I I look up and down my scorecard and think oh what could have happened there what could have happened there what could happen there so heartbreak to finish in second place so now the Euchre tournament is about 15 years old now maybe 14 years old 13 somewhere in there and I have never won my own tournament very frustrating uh Anybody in your family play euchre, Izzy? Uh, to be honest, I was going to ask you what that, what that is. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Midwestern card game. So only people from the Midwest know how to play. But the close, but I don't count Chicago. So you're close enough to Chicago <laughs> that I understand why it wasn't taught to you. If, if anybody cares about the history of the game, it's actually, this sounds funny. We don't use jokers in the game of euchre. However, the reason why you have jokers in a deck is actually because of Euchre. Ah, see, it's a weird little trivia thing. 
So the game of Euchre originally started as a French game. That's why it's EU Euchre, like that. And then it traveled by French trappers along the, the Ohio River and the Mississippi River. So therefore, only people in Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, and basically New Orleans know how to play Euchre. Now, of course, I have taught people that live out west how to play, but that's why it's a game that everybody in the Midwest plays and hardly anybody anywhere else has even heard of the game. So because there's a limited amount of people, I invite people to come over uh, for one Saturday a year to have a Euchre tournament, and it was, la- it was Saturday night. A lot of beer, uh, a lot of drinking, a lot of cards. It's about, this will make you laugh, Izzy, uh, because my generation can do this, and I don't think yours could ever do this. It is four hours of, of Euchre, four hours of playing cards. Four that's crazy. That's what, that's, what, that's what I was saying. I could. I knew that was going to be your response when you when you heard that. Four hours of playing cards. The person that sits across from you is your partner. The two people that sit next to you are your evil arch enemies. And then everybody gets one turn dealing, and then you get up and you go to another table and you get a new partner. And uh, we had 21 people there. So every round, there's one person sitting out, and then you have everybody there as your teammate one time and your opponent twice, and then you just play, and you play, and you play. And everybody brings food, and it was we had the best food we've ever had at the Euchre Party. People brought some great food, and that's what matters. It's the food and the drink. That's, that's really what matters. Now, I, my biggest question for the day. Okay. Are, are, you like a, are you a table flipper? Oh, when I get mad? Yeah. No, but I secretly stew. Um, like, I, I hate losing with a bonafide passion. To the point that there are rumors that some people tank when they're my partner just to make sure I don't win. (laughs) They openly talk about it, but this year, Coach Mike couldn't make it. And there's one guy named Coach Mike who's kind of the ringleader of trying to defeat me. Um, And without him, it went really well. It went really well. But obviously, I was able to lose on my own. There was was nothing tanked uh, in this year's event at all. And I still lost. And I'm sorry to to hear that. Yeah, it's difficult. It was difficult. And the winner gets a T-shirt that has the listing of all the previous winners, like a concert T-shirt. So and then, it, and then at the bottom, it says 2024, me, meaning I'm the winner. So you get the T-shirt right on site saying I'm the winner. And, uh, and that's – I've always wanted the coveted T-shirt, and I've never won. Now, the, is your name on the T-shirt? Yeah, yeah. Like, my name isn't on the T-shirt for the past, but every other winner's name is. So I have never won the T-shirt. Ever. I feel like that gives you an excuse to flip a table. I feel like <laughs> yes, that gives you a, a solid reason. Uh, it, the worst was my wife has won a t-shirt, and yet there was one year I would have won if she didn't play so bad when she was my partner. Like When she was my partner, she was just awful. It was the first round of the night. She just wasn't focused. She was terrible. We got, And then I ended up losing by three points, and if she would have done anything when she was my partner, I would have won. So she's got a t-shirt and I don't, and yet she cost me a t-shirt. Yeah. Did, she, did she walk around with it? Did she got to show it? Did no, she, show it she off did. She did for like a like the next day, and then she doesn't talk trash very well. Oh, so. got you. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I would wear that all the time, all, all the time. If I win, I'll wear it in here, so everybody could see it in here. No one will know what it is, but I'll wear it. Oh, absolutely. Boy, we got up. We got a lot to do today. For those of you that came to golf at Whirlwind uh, on on Friday, thank you. We had a good turnout. Not great, but we had a good turnout. Uh, again, I accept. I'm not frustrated by the lack of turnout. I accept 
full blame of not getting the ball rolling for the uh, for this sanctioned event a lot sooner. Um, we went to trophy afterwards for a uh, for happy hour, and that went really well. Had about twenty five people that were there. It was kind of a mix. We had about we only had one table, so we had about nine or ten people, but we kept switching people in and out. Some people would leave, some people would come in. And what was really cool is Mikey, owner of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, talked about how much he enjoyed spending time with uh, Stephen Dale from the main event, who uh, not only played but came over for for happy hour. So that was really cool to have Mikey say that. And I would say with 25 people, just to let you know, that's the type of number where – I think the management of Trophy had to be thrilled. I know Dylan, the waitress, who was fantastic at her job, I know she was thrilled. However, if we want to, I don't know if you share the same dream I do, but if we want to have the dream of being an economic force that forces the teams to take us seriously, that's not going to do it. 20 to 25 people isn't enough. We need to be getting to the 50 to 100 range for these events. I'm not blasting you in any way. It's obviously your life. You choose your level of commitment to the Unplugged Army. And, but whatever your reason is, I guarantee you it's harder for General Stavo to get there than it is for you, and he's there. Secondly, when you hear Doug's big one today, you'll understand why you are this important because you might think well i've always meant to get to a sanctioned event sorry that i can't and whatever reasons you like to give for not getting there you're going to understand why it's vitally important why it matters in our city when you understand what the other side is doing and i think it's going to be really important if you maybe you don't share that dream with me at all maybe you don't care Again, it's it's your life. It's my job to help you understand the importance and motivate you so you say, you know what, you're right. This matters. And if I haven't done that, that's not on you. That's on me. And I totally understand that. But I wanted to tell you, it was good. It was good. But not earth-shattering. And we've got to be earth-shattering if we're really going to uh, create change. Uh I did a little research. Coming starting next week, Santan Ford is going to be a advertiser here on Doug Franz Unplugged, and I want I want you to know how powerful this is for WTSMTV.com and for Doug Franz Unplugged for us to, for you to help me grow this podcast to the point that one of the number one companies in the entire uh, metro area decides, I believe in the Unplugged Army, I believe in Doug Franz Unplugged, we're going to do something with you, is just, it's pretty overwhelming, to be quite honest. Um, th- that, that is the same Tim Hovick that you see, think about it, the, when you drive around and you see all the billboards of Santan Ford, when you see all the commercials of Santan Ford, when you go to sporting events and Santan Ford's all over it, when you know that an entire LPGA tournament event is coming, basically because of the hard work of Tim Hovick, because he really believes in the power of the growth of women's sports right now, but more importantly to him, the role models that those people can be for young girls to see, hey, I can do this, and, and, then, and for him to invest in stuff like that, and now he invests in us, 
Yeah, pretty overwhelming for me. So uh, even though we haven't started everything yet, I just want to give Santan Ford a free plug and say thank you. And for your benefit, I don't know about you, I'm an incredibly busy dude. They have a mo- they have two things that are mobile that are incredible. They have a mobile service to be able to come out and do simple things to your ta- a car, a traveling technician that stops by that can work on your car. And they also have a situation where they'll come get your car bring it in for service and bring it back so when you when you when you want a higher level of service you want santan ford uh and i just wanted to let you know about that i think that's that's where it's really going to help you as a member of the unplugged army when i tell you earn your pillow when i tell you work really hard things like that i know that that then doesn't allow you to get other things you need like your car fixed i mean all of us are dead ducks if our, if our car's not running well well now you know that santan ford can come through so for those of you that are even on the far west side and you think doug i never want to go all the way to santan ford especially for service no do you work in phoenix you know if you work somewhere that gets closer to santan ford have them come to you use it that way and i i think it only benefits you and that's why i'm thrilled that santan ford is with us sound credits today um boy we got a lot of stuff uh izzy where did you get uh the diamondbacks from uh, PH, PH and X. PH and, okay, so free plug for them. Thank you guys for letting us get that. Uh, uh, U of A gave us on the Arizona Wildcats YouTube channel. We got Tommy Lloyd. Frank Vogel came from the Suns PR department as well as Grayson Allen. Coyotes PR gave us Andre Turini and uh, Bobby Hurley was from Sun Devil Source and their YouTube channel. And I think that's it. Izzy, did you do anything thrilling this weekend? Or did you shut it down? Well, I shut it down a little bit. I had a, a went to a real wrestling event, you know, one night. Then I went to the Suns game on Sunday. So pretty, did, pretty busy. I I didn't get a chance to check. Did uh, last night? Did you file one of your WTSM reports? Oh, I did actually. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do me a favor. Add that to the show sheet. We will definitely play that today. I definitely will. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll do that when we uh, when we start talking Suns. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Izzy goes to most Suns games, and uh, and then files a report after the game so if, if you ever have uh missed a game go to wtsmtv.com and look and see if izzy had the opportunity to file a report i think you'll love that i think it's a lot better for you if you do that so and, and not only that what i like about it is it's a complete rundown it's not like a 30 second regular news channel report also you can see that that's considered news, so therefore that comes, even if you're not a basic member, you can still go there and watch it and get really good Suns coverage. Before Doug's big one, I want to tell you a quick story so you don't think I'm a hypocrite. This is important that you know this part of the story before I get into it. Um, I have a real problem with something that happened in local media on Friday, and that's going to be Doug's big one, and I'm going to tell you about it in just a second. However, it would be hypocritical for me to go over the top because I've done it too. However, I feel like I learned my lesson and that's why I'll never do it again. And there's two reasons why I learned the lesson. What I'm talking about is an event called Newsmakers Week, and I'll get into it in a second, in which a local uh, media company totally let down the entire community for being completely gutless. There was an opportunity on the old show one time that we were approached, would we like to interview Roger Goodell? And it was about 18 months or so after Ray Rice. 
So the Ray Rice incident in which Ray Rice punches his girlfriend in an elevator and gets only a two-game suspension from Roger Goodell, one of the worst decisions he's ever made as a commissioner. The story was kind of old at the time that Roger Goodell came on our show. And I was called into the office three times. The company had to agree that no questions about Ray Rice were going to be asked. And then I had to agree three different times in a meeting that I wasn't going to bum rush the interview and ask him about Ray Rice. And I agreed to those terms. At the time, I agreed to those terms because honestly, and somewhat to this day, I felt like 18 months after the fact, other people have already talked about it. I thought it was arrogant and egotistical for me just to get a pound of flesh. So I had my reasons why I didn't do it. And I want to come forward to you that if you think that's hypocritical now for me to have a problem for softball questions to Michael Bidwell, you have a right to call me a hypocrite. And I accept that because I agreed to an interview under certain terms, but not terms, in my opinion, to be a wuss. It was in terms of, you know what? The story's now 18 months old. That's how I felt at the time. I might be a little wrong on my dates, okay? This is a long time ago, so I want to be as accurate as I can. That's my feelings about something that happened, and that's the backstory that you should know. There's more to the story on a different level, but I wanted to be blunt in case you think I'm coming across as a hypocrite. Let's roll. Doug's big one. Doug's big one today is that Arizona sports, the ownership of Arizona sports, and any journalism that tries to come out of Arizona sports or KTAR news radio is a joke and an embarrassment to our community. You have destroyed the reputation that you once had, and that reputation was built by people like me. And you've taken our knees out, and you've made all of us look bad. Even though I got fired by that company, and I'm still a little bitter, but in a much better place than I used to be because I'm very happy here at WTSM-TV, I still take incredible pride for the 15 years I put into that organization and for the 15 years that I helped build something special. And specifically, for those of you that don't know, I built Newsmakers Week. Newsmakers Week was started by me. It was run by me. It was coordinated by me. It was developed by me. And I don't normally say nine different things by me, but I think it's appropriate when I just watched it get totally destroyed. And I'm embarrassed for them in what they did. If you didn't know what happened, it was written about very, very well by Mike Florio in Pro Football Talk. And thank God somebody had the courage to take Arizona sports to task. Michael Bidwill had an interview on Newsmakers Week in which he was asked zero questions of any substance whatsoever. That's embarrassing journalism. And you should have had the courage as a company to stand up to the Cardinals and say, either we ask the questions that need to be asked, or you decide not to provide Michael Bidwell as part of Newsmakers Week. The Cardinals could have had that choice. Instead, Arizona sports became 100% part of the problem, not only in America, but in this city on the lack of journalism. Thank God we had a newspaper like the Arizona Republic that exposed just how poorly things were handled in the Gilbert Goons case. Before you jump, no, I'm not considering in any way the murder of a young man the same as when we ask difficult questions to sports people. But I am saying every single member of the media in this town should have learned something after Robert Sarver. Every single one of us failed as members of the media. 
It took national media at ESPN to come to town and teach us about journalism. It took national media to come in and expose Robert Sarver for the monster that he was. We need people like that in our city. I failed as a member of the media when it came to Robert Sarver. I heard the same things that Baxter Holmes did. I heard there were problems over there. But I thought, I'm an entertainer. I'm not a journalist. I'm just a talk show host. It's not my job to look into that stuff. If it's news, let a news station do it. Let a news report do it. In doing that, I was a complete derelict because those people that worked for the Phoenix Suns were completely counting on people like me to be able to help our franchises get to the point where we treat people the right way because that leads to winning. And none of us in the media did it. Now, I profoundly feel like I learned my lesson. And I'm proud to say I'm not going to make that mistake again, which is why I'm the only member in the local media that interviewed Ron Miniger right here on WTSMTV.com. And the former COO of the Arizona Cardinals told us a litany of things, and you can still go to WTSMTV.com, and you can actually watch that entire interview that was over three hours long and turned into six hours worth of programming for you, because we here at WTSMTV WTSMTV.com and Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, are not afraid. We're going to do what needs to be done for you. And now we know Arizona Sports and KTAR will not. To give you an example of the hypocrisy, let me tell you a story that I've never told. Early on in the tenure of the old show, in 2007, I was the new host of Doug and Wolf. Excited. Could not believe we were here. This was great. I didn't know Rod Graves at all, the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals. Now, when I say I didn't know him, of course, I knew the general manager's names for all 32 NFL teams. What I'm saying is I didn't know anything truly about him as a human being. And I consciously made the decision that all of the crap that had happened for the Arizona Cardinals and for you as a fan base and how bad that team was run It would have been unfair for me just to hammer him in the very first interview for one simple reason. I didn't know who was at fault yet. I didn't know why this was a horrible organization. So why am I going to go after one guy? So Wolf and I had an interview with Rod Graves, the general manager. The next day we were called into a meeting by the man that still runs that station. And we were told that was, quote, a blowjob interview. We were ripped and destroyed by our boss, saying that the only way we can establish credibility here in the marketplace is if we are willing to hold people's feet to the fire and hold them accountable. And I was amazed at how strongly attacking he was against us for that interview. I didn't really think it was warranted, but I honestly appreciated it because that made me feel good to know that in times of trouble, it's going to be stand up for the truth and stand up for what's right. I now ask the question, what happened? If that was a blowjob interview in 2007, what in the world do you call it for what was just happened on Friday? I would like the answer to that question. I would like to know how the Arizona Coyotes feel today. In 2021, the Athletic had a huge expose in the middle of Newsmakers Week. They dropped information about how the Arizona Coyotes had been delinquent on paying bills, how they treated some of their employees, and just annihilated with, according to them, facts 
like nobody had ever scorched any kind of organization before and newsmakers week hit well i was not going to back down i was going to ask the president of that uh, organization those questions and javier gutierrez and the coyotes tried to say we're not willing to come on if doug's going to ask those questions and i refused to back down and then the Coyotes accepted the fact they needed to come on. They came on Newsmakers Week. Javier Gutierrez took it like a man, answered the questions. We move forward. Isn't it interesting that when the Arizona Coyotes get lambasted, Arizona sports has all the courage in the world to take on the Arizona Coyotes. They don't use the, la- the tag, they're our business partner, when it comes to the Coyotes because the Coyotes don't mean as much as the Arizona Cardinals. But as soon as it's the Arizona Cardinals, ah, now we have to play suck up interview. Full disclosure about the way Newsmakers Week was originally intended to work. How do I know this? Because I started it. The original intent was two rules. You have to come in studio live. That way, it's an eye-to-eye, face-to-face, adult-to-adult conversation. That's rule number one. Rule number two, There will be difficult questions asked. It will not always be comfortable if you don't deserve a comfortable interview. Now, I totally believe and not completely badgering a witness. I will ask the tough questions, but I'm not going to hammer them left and right. That was my style of question asking. Never be afraid to ask the hard question. At the same time, don't belittle the person completely and go on a war path against them to try to embarrass them. Allow you, the listener at the time, to, wa- to listen to that interview I would do on Newsmakers Week and allow you to judge that person's response or non-response to a difficult question. If they said no comment, I didn't keep going after them. Some people can question my integrity for that. And I accept that. I just didn't feel like if somebody said no comment, what am I going to get out of them? Then let's move on and allow you to decide that that person dodged the question. That's the difference. That's how I handled those interviews, except for one question. The agreement I had with every team was at the end of the interview, I would ask a softball question. I thought it was worth it for their time to come in studio. And I would simply ask What is it that you want the fans of your team to know about your organization and the coming season? I thought that was a fair trade. If I'm interviewing you for 25 minutes, I'll take 20 minutes of difficult questions and you get five minutes to be able to ask or to be able to talk directly to the fans of your team and tell them that what's on your mind. That's not what happened. A lot of people are totally attacking Bickley and Murata over the weekend. And I want to say I understand that, and I'm not here to defend them because maybe they didn't learn the lessons that I did. However, they have a job and I don't, and now you know why. Because they answer to the boss, and I did not. And that's why I sit here. And when you look at it through the prism of everybody's got a family and everybody's got something to uphold, I can understand why those two men made that decision to keep their family life important. And man, is that a tough tough decision on whether or not you're going to serve your family or whether or not you're going to serve the community. It's moments like this where we should stand up and say thank you to great journalism out there and not just destroy bad journalism when it happens because it's hard to sit there knowing that you're going to get called into the office. You might get suspended. You might get fired because you chose the listener over your family 
it is that hard of a choice. But make no mistake, that is now officially the choice that Arizona Sports and KTAR makes when they are flustered, when they are in a position where they can choose journalism, they can choose the community, or they can choose to be protective of profits. And that's what they chose. They chose to protect the profit that comes with being the Arizona Cardinals flagship versus what I would consider their duty to be journalists. And the hypocrisy is incredible to go from where that company started in 2007. Oh, by the way, that 2007 story I told you when we were supposedly doing the blowjob interview about, I would say about three months later was our first coverage of the NFL draft. I had writ- I had read a newspaper a, a a magazine article from ESPN their draft preview that was ripping Rod Graves' ability to run a draft and that he was the biggest question mark going into that draft since they did not have Denny Green anymore to run the draft and I asked him a question about how how that makes him feel does he care that a magazine is out there saying he's the one under fire he handled that question with tremendous grace i thought it was important to ask a tough question because my boss had scolded me and told me i did a blowjob interview before then when i asked a difficult question the cardinals were irate they felt like this is a saturday morning show this is not doug and wolf this is a saturday draft show in which we are giving you our general manager hours before the draft you should not ask tough questions hours before the draft and it was interesting then i got called into the office just a few months later and told how i have no tact and no knowledge of how to handle the nuances of different situations so five months into the job i'm supposed to know when i'm allowed to ask tough questions when i'm not allowed to ask tough questions and the moving goalposts of asking difficult questions and no that man never went to the arizona cardinals and said you know what i actually hung doug out to dry there was no way he was going to know our expectations on a saturday morning i had told him he needed to ask tougher questions just a couple months ago i had raised the bar on him and explained it doug that you are the one that has to be the journalist here wolf is the entertainer you're the journalist do your job and then when i did my job again there was a scolding and again i was not protected in front of the arizona cardinals i was actually thrown to the wolves of the arizona cardinals and it took about seven years for the arizona cardinals to even remotely like me at which time of course you now know they don't like me at all Now, if you're wondering whether or not you think I'm being a little unfair for what happened on Friday, yes, it's personal. I want to admit that totally. Not because I got fired by that radio station. It's personal because you had the gall to steal my idea. You had the gall to keep it going without me and then embarrassed yourself while running it. My name is on that thing. Doug Franz invented Newsmakers Week. I would, like, I would like to now renounce Newsmakers Week as, in theory to you, but I would like to ask you to change the name because you're not making news. I say you call it Embarrassment Week, where you embarrass yourself as journalists because that's what you did. And you deserve the ridicule of Mike Florio, of everybody in this city for watching what happened. If you're wondering what kind of questions that could have been asked, maybe you think I'm being unfair. Here's some of the options you could have asked Michael Bidwell about. So far, since the Arizona Cardinals moved to Glendale, Michael Bidwell has a worse record running the Arizona Cardinals than his father Bill Bidwell did while they were in St. Louis. 
doesn't that mean maybe Michael Bidwell is not fit to run a great organization? With all of the modern amenities, with all the things you could have learned from great owners, from a billion-dollar industry that has exploded in our country, it is truly financially the greatest sports league in the world. And yet, you have a worse record than the whole reason why you had to leave. That question wasn't asked. There was an NFLPA survey that said overall, the Cardinals, according to players, are the 31st best organization in football. If you didn't know, there are 32 teams. One of the areas where they finished in last place, embarrassingly enough, 31 other teams pay for dinner for their players on a takeout purpose. If the player is following a meal plan, if the player listens to the dietitians and the chef that every team has, then the player can order dinner to go. And as he leaves the facility, they'll have a beautifully boxed dinner in order to keep them on their dietary plan. That's what teams do when they want to win. The Arizona Cardinals were only one team out of 32 that charged the players for the meal. I don't care if you want to argue whether or not billionaires should be paying for the meals of millionaires. I get it. I understand that. But just keep in mind, 31 other owners wanted to win bad enough that they were willing to accept the financial burden in order to keep their players accountable, to hold them accountable, to put them in the best shape they could possibly be. Winning to Michael Bidwell wasn't that important. A question could have been asked about Terry McDonough. They're currently in an arbitration case. The hearing is over. We're waiting 90 days. We're halfway through those 90 days, a little more than halfway through, waiting for the arbitrator to make a ruling on whether or not Terry McDonough was wrongfully terminated, whether or not Terry McDonough is owed some kind of compensation or back pay, and the fact that Terry McDonough and his accusation that Michael Bidwell used burner phones in complete violation of the NFL, and whether or not he lied about it. That's what we're waiting for. We still don't have an answer to that case. And Arizona Sports failed to ask a question about a pending arbitration case, despite the fact that one local member of the media, me, the only one that had the courage to interview Ron Miniger, knowing it would sever any chance I ever had of developing a relationship with the Arizona Cardinals again. But I felt like you were important enough to get the facts. Ron Miniger backed up almost everything that was a part of the Terry McDonough case. Almost everything he backed up. Things he couldn't back up, he said, I don't have a comment on I, I don't know. I don't know if that happened. In his incredible forthright interview, with the information out there for anybody to have, none of those questions were asked by Arizona Sports to Michael Bidwell. When you could have a loss of draft picks, you could have a fine in which uh, it's substantial to one of the few owners that really can't compete in free agency like the other owners. That affects winning, and yet that wasn't asked. Ron Miniger also said yes. There was an employee survey that was taken that came back very unfavorably to Michael Bidwell. Before round two of the survey took place, Michael Bidwell shut down the survey, according to Ron Miniger. Very interesting. So now we have the exact situation, although in my opinion, not to the extent of Robert Sarver. We have a situation where a local team owner is being outrageous in his behavior towards his subordinates, towards his employees. And instead of Arizona sports saying, we are going to stick up for people in our community, which admittedly I did not 
in the Robert Sarver situation, but I feel like I earned my learned my lesson and will refuse to ever let down somebody again in that situation. Arizona sports clearly, A, did not learn that lesson, or B, decided the profit of being able to say we are the Cardinals' flagship is actually more important than the very people that make the Cardinals run. Man, has that got to be tough if you're a member of that organization to walk into that building and everybody that works in the office staff knows you let me down. They'll know that forever. What about Sean Coogler? Very interesting that you have a man that ends up in Mexico City, the only guy that stands up to Michael Bidwell and says, shouldn't we be paid our bonuses that's part of our contract, even though it's an optional bonus? Shouldn't you as an owner pay that to us, please, for getting to the playoff game? And after Michael Bidwell went a long time without paying it, he finally paid. The only person that spoke up is the only person that was found to do anything against a Mexican waitress in Mexico City and shipped home. A charge he has vehemently denied. NFL teams respect Sean Coogler enough that they pay him for his opinions off the record, hoping that nobody out there knows because if Sean Coogler did what he was accused of doing, there would be a major public backlash. And if he didn't do what he was accused of doing, well, guess what? Now you're going up against Michael Bidwell, who obviously doesn't want anybody hiring him. In all other parts of the world, that's called a monopoly. That's called breaking the law, the Sherman Antitrust Act. And yet, because all contracts are signed and forced into arbitration, he cannot sue under those lines of thinking. He's a victim of what happened. So now he has to sit there and go to arbitration. I'm not saying whether or not the NFL should side with Sean Coogler or side with Michael Bidwell. I'm siding against anybody that was afraid to ask Michael Bidwell a question about that situation. Oh, and then there's tampering in order to get your new head coach. The NFL actually took draft picks away from you. The NFL made it harder for you to build a team because you broke the rules in hiring your current head coach. Some people, not me, But some people even think it cost the Eagles a Super Bowl because Jonathan Gannon may have been distracted the week, the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. And maybe his defense, which had a massive, massive second half meltdown in that Super Bowl, maybe would have played better if they had a 100 percent focused defensive coordinator. Although I have no idea if that allegation is even fair. I do know the NFL agrees there was tampering because they took draft picks from the Arizona Cardinals or at least made them have a pick swap to put the Eagles in a better position. Again, Arizona sports failed to ask any of those questions. Now, it's the same thing with the news department. You cannot split the two. You might not know this, but KTAR, the call letters stand for the Arizona Republic, a station started in the early part of the 20th century owned by the Arizona Republic newspaper, built on journalism integrity. That is that company. And the same man that runs Arizona sports runs the journalism side of that company. We now know that company could care less about the community and it could care less about actual journalism. That was one of the most disgusting displays ever. If you're wondering, Doug, well, then how would you have handled it? I would have been very simple. 
I would have told the Arizona Cardinals we have to ask these questions. I full well know what would have happened. The Arizona Cardinals, within their right, would have said we're not going to make Michael Bidwill available. At which time, I would have said during Newsmakers Week, we reached out to the Arizona Cardinals to invite Michael Bidwill to come on. They asked us what would the questions be. We gave them some of the sample of the questions, and the Arizona Cardinals denied to make him available. And that would have been the end of it. I would have allowed you as a listener to decide whether or not the Arizona Cardinals handled that well. I would not have blitzkrieged them, I admit. I would not have railroaded the Arizona Cardinals. I would have just given you the facts that they did not want to answer those questions. But I would have cared deeply about the integrity of the show I was on, about the product that I invented, and the station that I helped build. Sadly, that's not the case anymore. And that's Doug's big one. That's my number one opinion I have today. Tomorrow is Town Hall Tuesday. If you think I was a jerk, if you think I was horrible, if you think I was a great person or a terrible person, I, just like Arizona sports, deserve the ripping or the compliments. Whatever's deserved. And that's why we have Town Hall Tuesday. You can tweet me at Unplugged Doug. You can post something on Instagram at Doug Franz Unplugged. Or you can write me an email, Doug at Doug Franz Unplugged.com. I almost guarantee you I will edit what you send. I want you to know that up front for Town Hall Tuesday. But I will actually edit for brevity and not remove the meaning and the substance of your email text or your tweet or your post. The reason why is because I want it to be your words. And if I deserve the beatdown, such as I just gave, then I want to actually receive it because I'm not afraid. Coming up next. Pretty excited about something that I saw. But it took the disappointment of the game before, and no one's talking about it. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged. We're presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, and we're talking Suns next on WTSMTV.com. This time of year is absolute murder on your heating and cooling system in your home. Call Parker and Sons, 6022-REPAIR. Get a complete checkup. Here's why. You know what it's like this time of year in Phoenix. One day we've got 85 degrees, the next day we've got a high of 50. You're going from heater to air conditioner, sometimes in the same day. Get a checkup to make sure the routine maintenance is taken care of. Join the Parker family plan. Call 6022-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Burrito Express started with my father about... 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally, we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Really bothered by a couple things I saw Friday, not Sunday, Friday. 
Suns a winner against the Lakers on Sunday. Look good. 123-113 win. What's really nice about it is how many of the bench guys or lower level guys were the ones that came through in the victory. So I'll get to that in a second. But on Friday, they lost at Houston. It was the back end of a back-to-back. And Houston's a young run-and-gun team, and that's hard. Uh, Houston won 114 to 110. They made eight more three-pointers than the Suns did. Suns went 7 to 31 from three. And Houston went 15 out of 45 from three. Ouch. That's, that's going to make it reasonably difficult when that happens. Also, Durant and Booker combined to go one for 11. Throw in uh, Royce O'Neal and, and him coming in. The three of them combined to go one for 15 from three. So you have Booker and KD on the team, and they need to be able to make some of the threes. Then O'Neal is supposed to be a guy that helps spread the floor. Now I want to give him a little room. He's new to the team. He's trying to prove himself, struggles, you know, crap happens. But still, one of 15 from three ain't going to cut it. But that's not what bothered me. There were back-to-back possessions in this game where I saw something that isn't normal. And I don't want to flip out about it because it's not normal. But at the same time, whenever it happens one time, it's terrible. On back-to-back plays is an embarrassment. Kevin Durant on two different plays in the second quarter was a complete embarrassment. Did nothing to get back. He got his shot blocked on one play and decided that he'd rather spend time complaining than hustling back. Five on four, the Rockets were able to score. Then he came down the court and had a turnover. And then when he had a turnover, he jogged backwards politely. There's no way he had zero wherewithal to know that there was another member of the Houston Rockets that got behind him. And then when the ball got thrown over his head, he acted like, oh, I didn't know you were there and never got past half court. So out of the five offensive players that were going to attack the Houston basket, Kevin Durant had the ball. He was furthest from the basket, threw the ball away, making him closest to the defensive basket, yet got two steps past half court, and all four of his teammates on the floor all got back better than him. KD. What is that? What is that? Frank Vogel, I know he's your star. I know he's your stud. I hope, I pray, I'm not the only one that saw that. I hope with the 15 assistants you've got sitting beside you or behind you, somebody pulled that. And either Devin Booker or you showed that to KD and said, Kevin, you're the guy here. You know what you mean to us. But explain this. See, I don't think that's Kevin Durant's character. All of us do things from time to time we're not proud of. All of us do things that's actually a little bit of a window into our soul, and we need to find a way to correct it. For you, it might be, oh, my gosh, Doug, it's two plays in an 82-game season. Okay. For me, I don't look at it as two plays in an 82-game season. I look at it as Kevin Durant stopped competing in a four-point loss. He is the star. Should the owner stop paying? I mean, mean, at what point is it okay for the owner to quit if a player is going to do it? It was just those plays. Later in the game, Kevin Durant played well in the fourth quarter and helped give the Suns an opportunity to win. But for an organization that has zero championships and for a guy 
that whether he wants to admit it or not, continually needs to be proving himself because of the fact that he can't win without Steph Curry. And he needs to be able to show, yes, I can. If you want to be in the position that you want, that you say you want to be, if you don't want to have your leadership skills called out by Charles Barkley, let's spend less time on podcasts defending ourselves and more time getting back on defense. That was bad. That was terrible. I don't mind the missed shots. Crap happens. Oh my gosh, get over it. Now, they need to stop. You're the main guy. Okay, you can't keep doing it. I don't want to sugarcoat how bad it hurts when he goes one for seven from from three. But we all know that's going to happen. It doesn't have to happen, though, when you don't hustle back. They played a lot better against the Lakers, came out a win. Nurkic, I never thought this day would come that I would say something like this. For one night and one night only, I would rather have Nurkic than Anthony Davis. When they play again, do I want to make that trade? No. <laughs> or would I trade it? Yeah, we'll take it. Yes, I would. Okay, I, I get that. But for that night, that's why it was so crazy to say this. Anthony Davis did have four more points. He had 22 points. He had 14 rebounds. He had zero assists. Nurkic missed only five shots. He had more assists as a center than missed shots. He had 18 points on seven of 12 shooting. 22 rebounds and seven assists in the Suns' 10-point win. And then the threesome of O'Neal and Allen uh, and, and Nurkic were fantastic. Bull Bull with another good game. Katie and Booker still struggled, three of 12 from three. But because the rest of the team played so great, it didn't matter at all. Here is Frank Vogel after the game. He was asked kind of a, a weird question saying, you've got the big three. Booker, KD, and Beal. But when you look at Royce O'Neal and Nurkic and Grayson Allen, can we say you've got a medium three that are almost as important? You know, we didn't have Eric tonight, but um, he's been a big part of it. But those three guys were the stars of the game tonight. You know, I mean, Book and KD did what they, they had to do. They both hit uh, closer-type shots in the fourth quarter, you know, to help us secure the, the victory. But, uh, you know, Grayson and, and, uh, and Royce with six threes each and Nurk with 22-7. What is it? 22-7 and, and 18 points. Hell of a night. And guard Anthony Davis all night. And that's just a big-time performance by Nurk. Somebody's a little confused at Twitter. I just looked over at Twitter to see, you know, in case I missed something while uh, Vogel was talking. And uh, try to explain this, Izzy. Guess what is trending right now in the category of food? In the category of food? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Bull, bull. In terms of food? (laughs) (laughs) It says right there, food trending. Bull, bull. I I think somebody's a little confused. Like, is it a bowl of what? No, 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 no. It's a man. (laughs) Bull, bull is trending right now, but Twitter thinks it's because of food. Speaking of Bull Bull, this was, a, this was a strange question. I think it was asked by somebody who, in the media who wasn't willing to admit, as fast as I have been willing to admit, that I was wrong about Bull Bull. And I will continually give full credit to Steve McCollum of the main event, who liked Bull Bull right from the beginning. And I just thought Bull Bull was a gangling mess. I thought he was a cute little sideshow. It's kind of fun, try-hard guy, but... You know, that's it. It's just nothing, nothing really all that special. Although I will tell Frank Vogel, 
please don't leave him under the basket on a free throw anymore, okay? I think it was the Houston game where we needed to get a rebound and all of a sudden Bull Bull is the one boxing out. Let's not have 170-pound men under the block trying to box out, Frank. That was a really bad coaching job by you on that. But having said that, now that Bull Bull is trending, this member of the media asked, I realize Bull Bull is kind of an acquired taste. And Frank Vogel's like, what? No, he's not. I love Bull. He's not an acquired taste. I love work. He's a sweetheart of a kid. You know what I mean? He's, he comes in, does his, does his work. He was in, in his gym every day over All-Star break, uh, working, works extremely hard, uh, does whatever the team needs, and has a high care factor. Yeah. There you go. So now you know. I, the reason why I wanted to play that for you is just the every day of the All-Star break, he went in. How many players – and listen, I'm not getting in the way of any player that says they need a break. I'm not getting in the way of any player that wants to take a quick vacation, especially with their family, because that refuels you as well, okay? Anytime I get an extended time frame, like yesterday, uh, McKenna had come home, so the four of us got to go to Mass together. It felt like forever since the last time the four of us were in church. That, that just rejuvenates me a lot to be around my wife and both of my daughters. So I understand anybody in the NBA on the All-Star break that said, I'm getting out of here. I get it. Still doesn't change the fact of how great I feel when I hear a player came in every day of their week-long vacation to get better at their craft. That's not Work ethic is not an acquired taste. You either have it or you don't. Um, one of the big reasons why the Suns won this game against the Lakers was their first quarter. And this is kind of some basic flowchart stuff. If you do this, now you've got the option for this. If you do this, you got the option for that. And blah, 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 and on down the line. And even though I guarantee you 98% of you understand everything Frank Vogel's about to say, I think it's very important to hear when you're asked a question about having a high-scoring first quarter, where did it come from? Guys came ready to play. You know, shot ready, aggressive, and, um, you know, but again, like we, we put up 45, but our defense was exceptional in the first and that's what got us out on the break, right? And, and we're doing it without fouling. Okay, when you foul, the other team goes to the line, they set their defense, and the offense isn't as, as fluid. But when you fly around and get stops without fouling, and you can get out on that break. Mm, mm, mm. Really simple. You play defense, they don't score. They don't score. They're scrambling to get back defensively which either means you have a fast break opportunity, more of you versus less of them, or if they did get back on defense, they might have gotten back with mismatched matchups, meaning you just got to take the first guy. If you're the, if you're the last guy back, you take the first guy coming down. You don't get to you, – you spend hours upon hours upon hours – presenting a game plan preparing and presenting a game plan you're going to guard him you're going to do this if they do this we'll do this if they do this we'll do this you have all of these things in your head and you know when you're reminded of those things after your team scores and then you can get back on defense or you get reminded when your team's at the free throw line the other team played bad defense you get to be at the free throw line then while you're at the free throw line your teammates at the free throw line your coach is shouting out 
and re-engaging in instructions that you were taught yesterday at shoot-around and in pregame. Now you're reminded you play better defense because you know what's coming. You see the man you're about to guard. Everybody picks up their man. The defense gets set. You don't foul. Now you get to get in transition, and their defense is not set. So as the media wanted to look at the amount of points that were scored, Frank Vogel saying defense, 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 something we haven't seen enough, and that is, uh, that's really good. Uh, here's Grayson Allen. I like this question a lot. We learned a little bit. It was also asked of Frank Vogel. I didn't ask Izzy to pull this one from, um, from, Al, uh, from Vogel, I, but I liked it from Allen. Frank Vogel was asked about the volume of three-pointers, and especially from Grayson Allen, who lately has been shooting one or two three-pointers. And he was asked, was that the flow of the game, or was that more pinpoint specific to this game? And Frank Vogel said it was a little bit of both, saying we want the flow of the offense to be the flow dictated by what is open. That's what we want. However... We need to make sure we're looking for these opportunities. We need to make sure we're cutting and passing the way that gets Grayson Allen open looks at three. So with that answer, that answer was then relayed to Grayson Allen when he met with the media and was asked, has that been a conscious effort for you to shoot more three-pointers? Grayson Allen, being the teammate that he is, turned it against him shooting more three-pointers and more about the entire team shooting more three-pointers. Um, a little bit. Coach was preaching to us that we needed to shoot more threes. That was a big emphasis pregame. Um, and then a little bit in the spots, like we ran a lot of action up top with me and Kev uh, when Book was out. And I felt like just the positioning that I was in up there, being one pass away from the guy who's creating the plays, usually that helped to get a few more up. Izzy, I have a question for you. You're really knowledgeable NBA guy. There's a player by the name of Kevin Durant. I have heard him called Durant. I have heard him called KD. I have heard him just called Kevin. Have you ever heard him called Kev? No. I haven't either. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that was fun. Now, I admit, I have called Kevins in my life, Kev. I'm just kind of lazy that way and shortening a name. But it's funny that KD is pretty fast to say. And it was just funny to hear Grayson Allen say, you know, working with Kev and I do this. I had, I've never heard anybody at, at all say that. Um, speaking of Kev, the last one is about Grayson Allen. And I, I really like the question, the way the question was phrased. And he kind of goes off on a tangent, but I, w- I just found it really interesting. He was asked about how do you find the balance between your open shoot it And holy crap, I've got Devin Booker and Kevin Durant on my team. They should be shooting it. It's a little bit of a feel, but a lot of it is, um, like, I understand our team goes where those guys go. They're going to lead us on both ends of the floor. Um, So offensively, with whatever shot making I'm doing, it has to be, like, helping out our offense as a whole and kind of, being in the positions I can to help them succeed offensively, whether, you know, a lot of times we go to the KD post-ups, I try to get one pass away um, to be in a position to shoot because those are the shots that we need whoever's in that position to shoot and knock down. Um, You know, there's other times where you have to be aggressive in transition and it's not always to go score. It's to draw defenders and push the pace of our offense and make a play. And 
maybe it's kicking it to the next guy. Maybe KD gets a opportunity to attack a closeout, which he doesn't get much of. Um, and it makes the game a little bit easier for those guys. So it's a feel and it, it gets better as the year goes on, especially since I've played with a lot of talented players and all of them have been pretty different um, with how they score the ball, how they attack offensively. Um, but the positions that I am, like sometimes it's like a lot of people say, like if you're shooting 40% from three, it's good. But there's a lot of shots where you're, when you're out there, you're like, you have to make that one. And when you're one pass away from them, when it's that nice one in transition where the, the guy draws two, it's like, okay, these are the ones you have to make. And um, I just try to have that mentality of being in that position to be the guy receiving those shots. I think that goes to his versatility. You know, when he says, I played with a lot of volume scores and, and this is what's needed from me here. Uh, I've already done a complete recantation on what a fantastic pickup Grayson Allen was. And I, in my opinion, so have the Suns. I totally believe the Suns basically picked him up with the thought of we'll use him as trade bait in order to pick up more pieces. And Grayson Allen having one of the best years of his career, they said, never mind. We're recanting on trading him. We're not trading him at all. He fits perfectly into what they need to do. And oh my gosh, Grayson Allen, he's a try-hard defender. I'm not going to say he's a, he's a good off-ball defender. He reads offense as well, figures out where the passing lanes are and can make some steals. He's a try-hard on-ball defender, okay? His, his ankles can get a little fat, can get a little goofy. He not always stays in front of people, but at least you know he's going to work. So you've got that. And then his offensive game, his sneaky quickness on being able to get to the rack, his shooting has been absolutely fantastic. So basically the Suns don't need more mid-range guys. I love the Suns have a mid-range game. I do. I realize there's analytics that hate mid-range. I love middies. I'm great with the Suns doing them. But I don't want Grayson Allen doing a lot of them. I want him pressuring the defense with his drives and either kick it or score. And I want him standing out and hitting threes to spread the floor for everybody else. I love what he adds to this team. And I love how he talked about that of, I know they've got my the stars of my team have better chances of scoring if i'm not afraid to take the open shot and he's right that's that's great great basketball strategy from him if there's anything long form that you missed about the game let's give it to you right now this is a i mean this is not an example this is what's available after almost every sun's home game the host of iOS, Izzy on Sports, which is every weekday afternoon at 1 o'clock here on WTSMTV.com, does a much deeper dive than anywhere else you'll get, and he does it right from the court. Here's Izzy on Sports coverage of Suns Lakers yesterday afternoon. Hello all, 
Isaiah Jackson Jr. here at the Footprint Center as we just seen the Phoenix Suns get the win over the Los Angeles Lakers 123 to 113 in what was a grueling matchup. The story of the game, the Phoenix Suns needed to get a bounce back win after their loss on Friday to the Houston Rockets and they did exactly that. The Suns showed great defensive effort in that first half, especially forcing three turnovers from LeBron James himself. Explosiveness is a great way to describe the Phoenix Suns in that first half and it was all coming from the bigs. Drew Eubanks met Rui Hachimura at the rim for a nice contested shot and Bo Bo came through and slammed it on Rui Hachimura moments later. However, the Suns did come out flat in that third quarter and was unable to box out Anthony Davis, who had a monster quarter. He finished with 22 points and 14 rebounds. LeBron James took advantage of the mismatch opportunities, calling isos on Bo Bo, Josh Akogi, and Royce O'Neal. LeBron finishing with 28 points and 12 assists in the game. D'Angelo Russell had a good shooting night as well, dropping 20 points for the team. This wasn't a one-man job in Phoenix as they were sharing the ball all game. The support system stepped up for the Phoenix Suns. Bo Bo was coming off a 25-point game against the Rockets, pitched in a 11 points and 4 rebounds. Royce O'Neal was on point as well. He ended the game with 20 points and 10 rebounds. Booker and Durant didn't let the double teams disturb them as D-Book ended with 21 points and 9 assists. And Kevin Durant, who's still trying to find his shot from 3, went 2 for 8 from beyond the arc but finished with 22 points and 7 assists. The Suns led by more than 20 points in this game just for the Lakers to come within 5 at the end of the third quarter. So although the Suns got the win, it's hard to be uncomfortable knowing that the game almost slipped out of their hands. However, the Suns do get the win and they snap that two-game losing streak. So the next time we'll see each other will be on Thursday as the Phoenix Suns try to get their get back as the Houston Rockets come to town. For WTSM-TV, I'm Isaiah Jackson Jr. Look good, look good. Uh, almost every home game that's up and available for you. And again, you don't even have to be a basic member to look at that. Hopefully, however, as you see some of the pieces by uh, Izzy, you say, you know what? I I'd like to see Izzy's show. And then all you have to do is become a basic member. You can watch it on demand whenever it's convenient for you. And then I'd love to have you move up to someday be a live member of WTSMTV.com. And then you can see us. And we're going to start going with programming from 6A to 6P very, very soon. That's kind of exciting that you always know you'll be able to flip it on and have live on. And at the same time, You'll be able to watch anything on your own on demand when, uh, whenever you want to. And uh, Izzy, good job. Good job. I'm, I'm glad that you do that. I, I know it's, it. especially for somebody that gets up. What time do you wake up in the morning? 3.45, 3.30? Yeah, about 3, yeah, 3 yeah. o'clock. About 3 o'clock. And then um, working on a Sunday or sometimes going to a night game and getting home at around midnight, gamer. Um, so thank you. That's, oh, they, they need to have more of these 1.30 games. They yeah, love it. <laughs> I, I can understand why you... Uh, why you felt like that? That's totally deserved. Um, before uh, I start talking some D-backs and some other basketball, were you able to, to find their new logo? Uh, yeah, Jeff is actually working on it right now. Oh, really? Okay, then I'll wait till after the break and show it. Uh, in this world of sports where as soon as you unveil a new logo, you get ripped. Like, everybody hates it. I'll never forget the L.A. Chargers new logo. The L.A. Chargers came out with a new logo, and it was basically the Dodgers logo with a lightning bolt through the A. That's all it was. It was the exact same logo. And like nobody in the Chargers thought this is a bad idea. And they just got ripped. And it was seriously in like six hours, they pulled it down and said, we hear you, we'll come up with something new. And I will never forget that because think of the focus groups. Think of the amount of money the Chargers spent on a firm to be able to handle that logo. Think of all of that time, energy, and space they put into that logo. And then it's gone in six hours. 
I thought that was hysterical. Well, I want to be one of the few on a logo unveil that stands up and says, I like that. I like that. Yes, go for it. I like that. So I think it's an awesome looking logo. Uh, number two, I just looked over and uh, I, mm, I'm i glad I got this information. I looked over, there's an injury for Baylor and I have Baylor on um, versus Vegas. I might be dumping that pick now. And then if I don't get it or if it happens and I was right, then I'll be even more upset. But I've, I've got some thinking to do during versus uh, during versus Vegas. Oh, you guys are like lightning. Thank you, Jeff and Izzy. If you're watching right now on WTSMTV.com, we're going to give you the Clippers logo. Your honest opinion. Here we go. I, I mean that. Okay. If you're, if you're just listening to the podcast right now, on the left of the screen is the old logo that's got the red LA smashed inside the blue C, smashed inside the basketball. It's not a bad logo, it's just boring, okay? But not bad. Now, the new logo is a huge circle. The words Los Angeles goes across the top of the circle and the word Clippers across the bottom. And then inside the circle is an enormous letter C with a big sailboat looking like ship coming right at you. So imagine you're in the water and an old clipper from the 1700s is coming at you or a big ship. Uh, I think this thing looks pretty cool. I like it. Izzy, your opinion? I no, not a fan. Ah, not a fan of it. <laughs> Here it comes. Everybody that releases a new logo always gets ripped. What did what did you not like about it? Like the the Los Angeles on top is pretty cool, but the I mean the ship and for me to not know it, not even know what a clipper is, you know, uh, on top of that. Did you not know? Yeah, like it's a, a clipper is. Is, is an old sailboat, is, and then it just transformed itself into shipping. So they used to be the Buffalo Braves, and I don't remember this at all. I was six years old. I don't remember the Buffalo Braves at all, and I don't remember them moving to San Diego. I totally remember the San Diego Clippers existing in the 80s. I don't remember them moving and becoming the San Diego Clippers because they said, why should we be the Braves when we're right here on the water? So they changed their name to the Clippers. Then they moved to L.A. and actually played in this old, disgusting building called the, uh, I think it was just called the Sports Arena, the L.A. Sports Arena or something like that. It was the original home of USC. And then it was so dilapidated, that's when uh, when Staples Center was being built and the Lakers moved out of the Great Western Forum, that's when the Clippers said, hey, we better do the same thing. I think the Clippers should have moved to Anaheim a long time ago. Now they're stuck. I mean, now it's fine, and Ballmer's building a brand-new arena, so that's cool for them. But I thought they should have become Anaheim's team a long time ago, and I bet they would have made more money. Uh, but instead, they wanted to just be the, the stepchild of the Lakers. Now, once Ballmer bought it, Everything changed. Now they're a real-life organization and, and professional and not one of the most uh, – probably the worst owner in the history of sports uh, was their previous owner, Donald Sterling. And um, I don't want to give you my opinion of Donald Sterling because he's dead, and that's kind of rude. But – He passed away? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh that I didn't know. That yeah. I didn't know. But – if you have a negative opinion of him, I share it with you. <laughs> Very, I'll just say it, a bad human being. Bad, just, there's no other way to put it. A bad human being. Um, all right, coming up next, 
I like the Clippers logo. I, gets, I can't wait to see Twitter's reaction now to the Clippers logo on what everybody thinks about it. Coming up next, we got a lot to still do. I want to talk U of A ASU and the performance of ASU over the weekend. We've got some baseball stuff to uh, to cover as well, and we've got versus Vegas coming up. So we've still got a lot to do before the main event gets underway in about 40 minutes. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Can't wait to talk D-backs to you, but uh, a huge uh, recantation. I don't even remember where my recantation bells are on my 360. Uh, is it that? Womp no, uh, that's Womp Blair it is. I don't remember where the recantation bells uh, There it is. Massive recantation on my part. Totally deserved. Thank, thanks to Izzy and thanks to Steve McCullough. Steve, Steve McCullough, I hope this isn't off the record, Steve, but he sent me a hilarious tweet. Uh, evil never dies. St- St- Sterling is still alive. <laughs> so number one, and then Izzy said, Doug, I, I think he's still alive. And uh, so I told, I mean, listen, that's something you kind of got to get right when someone dies. I totally blew that. Donald Sterling is alive. So then I looked it up on Wikipedia. Here's, I don't want to give you in any way this is an excuse. I was wrong. Deserve a beatdown. You need to know when people are alive and when they're dead. But with uh, Donald Sterling... I remember part of the lawsuit against him from the family removing control for him in even the sales process of trying to say his Alzheimer's was at a point where he's totally mentally unfit to run things. And, uh, and, his, and his health was deteriorating so fast that I did the very unjournalistic thing, since this story is like eight years old, nine years old, of uh, I guess I just assumed that I had heard he died. And that's embarrassing. You can't do that. So uh, sorry for that mistake, and thanks to Izzy and Steve for correcting me. But then when I looked it up, here's something I never knew. His, I don't know about you, I, I hate it when people, I shouldn't say that. I don't like when people change their name. And he's, he was born Donald Tokowitz. Tokowitz, that's his name. But then they, his family changed it to Sterling because they said it was easier for people to pronounce. And so like, you have your choice of name, and then, oh, we're Sterling. I mean, that's just, I don't know, that's cheese ball to me. Total cheese ball. Let's get to D-backs. The D-backs, um, I, I only care about, let me tell you how I judge spring training. I never even remotely care about wins, losses, and the score. That does me nothing. Does me absolutely nothing. I care about young pitchers pitching well, and I actually care about the words of what are said by the more elite pitchers. Okay, here's what I mean by that. If, if Zach Allen, let's say, gets absolutely shelled, I mean, let's say he gets run out of the stadium, all right? No big deal. If he tells anybody in the media, hey, I'm working on this pitch, 
not even reading a scouting report. I was trying to throw this pitch in different counts. It wasn't working, but I wanted to stick to the plan. Then I'm like, I don't care. There's a famous line that I've always loved from Randy Johnson that we should always use uh, ourselves. Minus the results today, there was a lot of positive things. <laughs> he said that in spring training. Can you imagine getting in trouble with your boss? And they, What do you have to say for yourself? Well, minus the results, there were some positive things. <laughs> if, if we take the results out of it, hey, I did a great job. I love that line. Well, that's as, 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 it rely, as it applies here, makes pretty good sense of if a starting pitcher who's a veteran is doing things to get themselves ready, I don't care about the results. Young starting pitching, I do care how they do because th- even though they might be tweaking something, hey, they're trying to prove they could get major league hitters out. Well, here's the weekend for the Diamondbacks. Game one on Friday. Tommy Henry, two innings pitched, did not give up a run or a walk, struck out three. Saturday against the Rockies, you have Ryan Nelson, two innings pitched, struck out five, did not give up a walk or an earned run. And then on Sunday against the Chicago Izzies, they took on the White Sox and Ciccone pitched two innings, struck out four, did not walk a batter or give up a run. So, so far, Diamondback starting pitching, six innings, and strikeout-wise, they're at 12 strikeouts, no walks, no runs. Again, it's February. I, I understand that. But in the only way to real that I judge is, okay, young starting pitching, how do you do? Do you get guys out? They more than got guys out. So that looks pretty good. Another young pitcher, Blake Walston, goes today in Oakland. Well, do you say in Oakland? I don't even know where they played, to be quite honest. I think the latest rumor is of them going to Sacramento. But anyway, of they're going to Mesa to take on the A's. First pitch is at 1 o'clock. I think Blake Walston has thrown like 15 pitches or so in his major league career, like regular season-wise. So, again, I'll, I'll hold him to that same standard. Let's see how the young guy does when trying to get major league hitters out. As far as uh, the list of the guys that I gave you, let's go to Saturday's game. Ryan Nelson and his five strikeout no walk performance. Uh, Tori, would you would you think of Nelson? Um, Nelly, I thought was was really good. Um, the velocity looked like it was spiking, and then um, he started to mix in a really quality secondary pitch without that slider. So I know that's that was something that I've been emphasizing. Um, I know that he's been working hard at it. He got a ton of swing and miss on it. Yeah, it looked like he had some depth on it. I haven't seen any of the data on it. Um, I'll, I'll have a brief conversation. I'm, I probably won't get that paper on my desk about what it would look like, but I'll have more conversations with people that have, will have seen it. Um, but it looked like he had some depth, and it, it, it was it was sweeping across his own a little bit. So I know there, there was some lunging and reaching going on, and I could see it was missing barrels by falling underneath a barrel. So he was throwing it right and did a good job. But it was all set up by a very aggressive fastball that was in the zone. Now, to be clear, when you step to the plate in spring training, especially weekend number one, you probably look at two sentences of a report, even if that. You're worried about your timing, and you actually like to see pitcher stuff without junk in your head in order to try to learn to react and work on staying back 
on anything breaking, driving the fastball, really working on your hands and hips going in unison, things like that. So you're not putting necessarily the work into preparation for an individual pitcher. So let's look at it from that standpoint. Ryan Nelson comes in, worked on throwing a new slider with a different plane and mixing it in much more uh, uh, even hitter counts. So now the hitters, not if they've even faced Ryan Nelson, they're not used to him having a good a sweeper that's better. They're not used to him throwing it in hitters' counts, and they're going up there with a different mindset. So I am trying to not downplay five strikeouts, but not getting too excited about it. The the catch is what's nice is what this does for Ryan Nelson because let's look at it the other way. He goes. He works all offseason on a better slider. He comes out there for the first time against live hitters, throws this new slider, and let's say he gets rocked for three runs and has to have get taken out for an up-down. That's a cool term for the new rule in spring training that I think started two years ago where you as a pitcher, if you've given up too many hits and your team, your own team, doesn't want you throwing over 30 pitches in one inning, but they want you feeling like more innings are pitched they take you out of the game put in a reliever and then put you back in in the next inning that way they control your pitch count while not having you at drag out there to get three outs but you still come in for two innings and get that feeling of pitching sitting getting back up there making an adjustment and getting back out there so imagine him getting shelled with this new slider Now does he throw it with the same conviction? Does he feel like back to the drawing board? Does he feel like he wasted his off? There's a lot of thoughts that will get into a kid's head. Imagine the level of confidence. Okay, I'm trying something new. Oh, five of you struck out. I'm doing pretty good in two innings. That's a good thing. Here's Ryan Nelson on what he thought about his execution. Yeah, I think uh, there was some positives and a couple things I'd like to clean up. I think there was a couple arm side misses and some glove side misses that uh, if we're just sticking with the process, those those need to be cleaned up. So uh, results aside, I think that it was a pretty, pretty good day execution-wise, but definitely still some things I'd like to work on. Couldn't tell for sure, but that looked like a Coyotes hat that he was at, that he had on. I love that. I have to. I am a, such a sucker for local players, local organizations supporting the other local organizations and local players. I, I've always loved that. When he said arm side, glove side, is, it's funny. There's a couple misses arm side, glove side that need to be mixed. Well, that's both. Uh-oh. Arm side, is, it's really simple. As soon as I tell you, if you don't know this, you're going to go, that's it? It just means the side of his body that his arm's on. <laughs> that means, let's say you're a right-handed pitcher throwing to a right-handed batter. Your arm side is the inside corner because that's the same corner of the plate that you're throwing to which your arm is on. And then glove side is the opposite side of your arm, so it's a little bit more across the body when you throw it. You're aiming at a little bit of a different point. you got to make sure you stay even with your hips as you come through in your delivery. So he's saying, I missed some on the arm side, I missed some on the glove side, so I've got to work on that. It's not your catcher's glove side. It's your body, your arm side, your glove side. So that's what uh, that's what he's referring to there. That, that does kind of make me laugh that he's talking about both at the same. There are some misses here and there. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I guess you got to work on both. 
But I love that you're being nitpicky when you struck out five. So th- that looks good. So I'm excited about a weekend that doesn't mean anything in February. Let's get to hoops. Let's start with ASU. They pulled off a shocker, absolute shocker, in beating Washington State. Granted, I wish I would – if ASU was even playing average basketball, let alone above average basketball, I don't think this is a crazy prediction. Meaning, Wazoo comes off an enormous win at U of A, takes over first place in the Pac-12. It is natural for now facing the weaker of the two teams after you accomplish your goal to take a step back. So picking Wazoo to lose is normally not crazy in that situation. The catch is how bad ASU has been. Why would you pick them to win? So no way was I on board with an ASU victory. And man, they looked so much better. And just as we talked about, if you were listening to the Sun segment, just as Frank Vogel talked about playing defense early, when you play hard, tough defense early, it allows for steals. It allows for rebounds. That allows for fast break points. Or that allows for five-on-five five points. However, it's when the defense isn't totally set. Suddenly, you start making a layup. You make a couple open jumpers. Now you're in a rhythm. Suddenly, you're in a rhythm, and the other team has allowed you to get off to a fast start. Not for their own defense, but because they're playing poorly offensively. Because they're either fouling defensively that doesn't allow themselves to get out, or whatever the problem is, it becomes so cyclical and reciprocal. And guess what Bobby Hurley wanted to talk about? ASU got off to a good start. Why? Defense. Here's Bobby Hurley. Defense, if, if we're you know, guarding with, with purpose and energy and, and we're in the right spots and you know, we're flying around and getting deflections, then you know, we could be pretty dynamic getting out in the open court and, and it leads to you know, our offense. And uh, they had four points for a long time. We really, I thought, started the game and really sat down and, and defended them well. I will always be critical slightly critical of Bobby Hurley in previous years, very critical of Bobby Hurley this year. And that would be, I totally believe in going 40 minutes of hell. I mentioned it before, play Nolan Richardson basketball and press 94 feet. I realize that's a culture change. That's something you start in the off season. But I think that would have really worked this year with that group. And whenever they turn it on defensively like they did against Wazoo, I'm not going to say they can beat anybody in the country. That's a stretch. But they can play with a lot of teams for a while. And I think that's the best path to victory. And they played lights out defense, and that's why they got a huge upset win. Now, when I say huge, let's tread lightly. There is zero chance of Arizona State going to the NCAA tournament without beating U of A two more times. Now, when I say this, I say, well, wait, wait a minute. When do they play again? They play Wednesday. And then if ASU plays U of A in the semifinal, ASU needs to win out and basically lose an overtime in the conference championship game. And even if they do that, I don't think they make the NCAA tournament. I don't. But 
If they win all the way and lose an overtime in the Pac-12 championship, maybe. Now, you might be saying, well, what if they win the Pac-12 championship? Well, then it's not a question whether they get into the tournament. Then they're an automatic qualifier. Then they're in no matter what. I think they've got to win the Pac-12 tournament to get in. I don't really think there's a path. I think they've done too poorly. But when they win, you do feel good about a win like that. Looking at it the other way, this was, this was interesting the way Tommy Lloyd looked at the UW game. And, and he was asked about there were up and down moments in this game. And it didn't seem like he cared about in-game inconsistency. I mean, overall good. You know, I mean, today, you know, it's a response game. And you just need to get the result, you know. I mean, you obviously got to dig into a process, but you're fighting to get back on that, that winning side of the ledger. And, and so that, that's what today came down to. And, you know, I mean, you know, losing games is tough at Arizona. Trust me, it's, it's, it, I don't know if it's tougher on anybody than me. You know, the last uh, 36 hours haven't slept much. And, you know, I just, I just want to do great for this team and for this program and for the community. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got back on the winning side of things today. I thought we got off to a good start. Um, you know, we had a, a little stretch there, kind of about five minutes to go in the first half. Where we got a little sloppy. We just got to understand how to control a game. You know, and Kylan, Kylan has to learn that. That's why I was on him. Um, because I know that's kind of a next step for him. And then the second half, they got a little more aggressive and, you know, we're, we're getting out in transition a little bit more. And that probably, you go back and watch the film, it'll probably be, you know, some questionable shot selection on offense that led to that, you know, or a turnover. And, and they made some transition threes. So, you know, we, we can be better there. It was interesting to me because he's not normally a I'm just happy with the, with the result kind of guy. But he really was. He, he is like, I've already ripped them. I've already bitten their head off for the Wazoo loss. Let's at least give them a little bit of room right now. And, and then saying that why he was going nuts on Boswell, I think, is strong. And it shows you something about Boswell's character that he responded in a day and age in the wussification of America. You say something difficult for a player to handle. They run to their parents and transfer, and now here's Kylan taking it. That, that kind of shows you something uh, pretty deep. He also, this is, think about how deep that loss to Wazoo must have cut. Listen to what he labels the win over UW. Hey, I mean, today, I mean, I told our guys, I mean, this game's going to come down to, you know, the character of our program. And, and, you know, we got to come and we, we got to show our character and, and we got to respond. We can't come over here you know, heads down and, and, you know, we just don't do that. You got, you got to respond and, and we have high character people and we have a great culture. And, and so I, I think that, that shined through today, especially early in the game, you know, noon, noon tip, not easy to do. We had them down here at eight in the morning. I mean, you know, I don't, you think many of these guys wanted to be up 8am on a Saturday? Probably not. I don't know if he would have admitted that to us if they would have lost. But a U of A home victory in the Pac-12 against UW is labeled a character win. He said, this game is going to test our character. That's awfully strong. Like I said, I don't think he would have admitted that to us if it was in uh, any other circumstance. All right, last thing. I just want to cram this in real quick. Um, Will you get me the the Andre Turney, if you could, uh, Izzy? They have now lost 12 straight. 
And full disclosure, I actually thought they were going to make the playoffs all year. Steve McCall was saying, no, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. Now they're on a 12-game losing streak. All right. So I look pretty brilliant right now. But having said that, please, Andre, when you talk after a 12-game losing streak game, please don't say you're happy getting a point. Please don't talk about at least you got it to overtime and you got a point. Please be upset that you've lost 12 straight. Yeah, we played a really good game. Again, tough team to play against. I think we, we lost a special team battle, but we won the five-on-five five battle. I think we uh, we did a lot of good things. We battled back. It was, uh, you know, they showed a lot of character. Really proud of the guys. Uh, unfortunately, nothing to show for, but not nothing. We have a point, we have a big point, you know. We didn't achieve that this year, and we played Winnipeg when we were in the really confident team so you could see by our start we're, we're nervous but i really am really happy about the, the way the, the guys bounce back so the coyotes scored a power play goal the winnipeg jets scored two power play goals so his his line of thinking is it was a special teams battle but we won the five on five battle we don't have anything to show for it oh yes we do we got a point really Man, I do I wish I had a boss like that in my life in radio of, hey, it's all right. You know, you tied. That's really good. And, and hey, I'm really proud of your character. You showed tremendous character getting up and showing up for work today for a million dollars. Thanks, Skip. All right. Steve McCollum is standing by waiting patiently for not only the main event to get underway, but for me to quit yapping. And uh, number one, Steve, thanks for playing Alive or Dead with me uh, this morning yeah, and helping yeah, yeah. me out oh, on my yeah, flame no, you, out. You could send it out. You don't have to give me credit for that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, man, uh, it's like an old horror movie, man. Evil people don't die. That was a great Stick around line. forever. <laughs> that was a great line. Yeah. Thanks for coming out to uh, Whirlwind and yeah. Trophy on Friday. That was, was a great time. I'm st- still feeling it. <sighs> yeah, I guess so. Still feeling it, but I'm all right. It was a good time, man. It was a good time. I'm glad, Izzy. I'm glad, even though you haven't joined us on the golf course yet, I am glad that you have joined us in the old man disease, that you can get hurt on trampolines <laughs> and we get sore on golfing. So you at least understand what life yeah. gets like. My my back was so bad on Saturday, on Saturday morning. It was like, what in the world did I do to myself? <laughs> yeah, but I, I hadn't played since last time we were out there. So it was good getting out there. Oh, that was Get awesome. some exercise. And I won 10 bucks, so... Yeah. Oh, hey, Show, hey, Shows you how bad uh, Dale and his uh, in the group was, you know? Well done, well done. I, I, by the way, for those of you that haven't played Whirlwind, uh, it was $260. We got it for 109 Yeah. So, number one, next time you hear about a sanctioned event, drop everything, wine and dine a client, take your family. I mean, the, the savings is unbelievable. Number two, I am not a fan of Dale's consistency. I mean, every shot. Boop, fairway. Boop, yeah, he's got fairway. that old man. He's Boop, got that fairway. old man uh, golf thing. I used to play with the guy that was like 91 years old. Yeah. Uh, his name was Oakley, and uh, dude just hit the ball straight down the middle, no distance to it whatsoever, and he parred or birdied every hole. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm blaring it by him by like 200 yards, and I'm out in the desert, and you know, it's like, what, what the heck, dude? So now there's something to say about it. Yeah. I know. I was I was extremely jealous because I I, I did pretty well for about 11 holes and then just a massive meltdown 
It got ugly. Well, because you started playing with us. So yeah, no, I'm yeah. sure that was not. You it. played with the real golfers. So. Oh, I was. Not, it, What'd you end up shooting? I think uh, I'd have to look, but it was bad. I think a 108. Uh, so that's not bad. And what, what stinks is I was like on pace to easily break 100, and then I put up a nine and 11 in the last uh, like five holes or yeah. so. That got ugly. I was playing for money, so I was kind of my score went high on me because I was playing that putting money thing. Yeah, so yeah, I had to keep yes. my putts down. I left myself a couple long ones I hit, but um, I was, so I was playing that game, so my score skyrocketed there when I when I was like trying not to leave me long. But putts. truth be told, for those of you of the unplugged army that may have never have played golf with Steve McCollum, there were some Steph Curry moments <laughs> where he putts and then turns to look yeah. at Dale and doesn't watch the yeah, ball. Dale was talking so much garbage. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I hit it. I knew it was in. I just turned around and walked off. You know, act like you own it. Had some classics. Yeah, I, I had his, some classics. I took his five bucks. I I hand you Coyotes, Suns, ASU, U of A, and D-backs. Where's your mind going for the main event? Uh, it's all a mess. <laughs> LMS. Uh, I'm worried about Arizona in the tournament. The, you know, okay. the, if they win out, they're going to be a one seed, no doubt about it. But I'm worried about their. I mean, I don't think they're going to get knocked out in the first round. But uh, you know, it, well, the four teams that are going to be number one seeds, I think maybe they're the one you worry the most yeah, about, depending yeah. where they go. Uh, ASU basketball, I've just given. I mean, look. Eh. This says even more about why Bobby Hurley might not be the guy is because, right, all of a sudden now they're starting to play well. Just how good it looked, yeah. You know, and it's like, what? Why now? Why not earlier in the season? It's kind of a mess. Turney, look, he's gone. I mean, it's, look, he's got to find positives on a 12-game league, but now you're out without Keller. You know, you mentioned that with Turney. Here's the thing for me is I I thought about this over the weekend. They were celebrating his contract extension, you know, about three weeks before camp started for an ownership group. Group that is clearly not swimming in money. No, they have money. That's do they, the th- oh, do they, they care enough about two, winning to fire him? They can build a two billion dollar stadium yeah, out yeah, of their yeah. own pockets. They have yeah. money laying around. It's that's not. Terrible. That's not the problem. They have to send. The problem that they're in is they are in the stadium thing, and they need to send the message that we are here to win. We are here to put a good team on the ice. We are here to be successful. That is what is plaguing them right now with the whole stadium thing. Mm. Every loss is. Uh, you go to go to Twitter every lost oh coyotes ownership sucks they can't even get a stadium yep, built yep. that's what they have to spend the money on that stuff uh and move forward now without clayton keller for how long oh, Ooh, it's gonna get worse because yeah. he's their only offensive threat yeah montreal's uh last place in their division and they're a point better than the coyotes <laughs> and that's where the coyotes are yeah. going next so now you might be losing to a, a one of the worst teams on your schedule hey good luck uh, on that one and then um sons i I'm really frustrated. I, I, granted, nice job. I'm glad you beat the Lakers. But <laughs> the Dallas-Houston game, I'm not ready to celebrate the Lakers' win yet after the embarrassment that they showed huh? against Dallas and Houston. Don't they have the Rockets coming up like back-to-back here? Coming Very up, strange. Like, three yeah. games, yeah. Uh, three of their four yeah. games in this stretch, yeah. counting the Lakers, is yeah. against the Rockets. Well, here's the thing. They were just giving the Rockets a false sense of security with that first one. So they could come in and yeah. So now they're going to go in and destroy him for two, right? Yeah, yeah. It'll be that. That's an interesting thing. I think I'm assuming because Houston is also a warm weather city that maybe it won't be a distraction. But I would think most young teams with Scottsdale in hand would really struggle because the Rockets are going to be here for a week. Yes. So I would I would yeah. send the prettiest girl, the Suns cheerleaders, out to Scottsdale and Old Town and see if the Rockets I, are going to struggle. I have a feeling NBA players 
players don't have problems finding the good looking ladies around town. <laughs> I'm just going to go on a, I don't know. I don't hang out with them. Uh, I'm certainly not in that crowd. Uh, I cramp their style, I'm sure. But uh, I'm sure they'll find them, Doug, without any question. I, I would like to see what Dale was like with the Michael Irvin and the Cowboys walking around. <laughs> Dale, did you go clubbing with with, with Michael? Oh, Laugh. <laughs> no, he said nothing. No, officially, no comment from Dale Illustrated. That's coming up on the main event here on WTSFTV.com. More with Steve McCollum, and then Izzy Isaiah Jackson will take over at one o'clock on iOS. Izzy on sports to talk about some of the things that are upcoming today and a lot of his opinions on the sports weekend. Uh, for me, remember when I was dominating and doing well, the new schneid continues as I went 0 for 2, and one of them is painful, all right? One of them I just blew. I don't know how. It followed my formula perfectly. Toronto flying all the way from Canada to Atlanta and ending up not with what I wanted. Not only did Atlanta not cover the 6.5, they didn't win. Toronto wins 123 to 121. So for those of you that half believed me and at least went with the money line, you didn't even win that. And how do you lose to anybody with Kelly Olynyk on the team? I don't understand that. That hurt. So Hawks, a loser, 123-121 at home when the opponent was on the back end of a back-to-back. Now the other game, oh, is this big. I had Golden State minus 13 and a half against Charlotte. Look, look, look what happens. They're already handing the ball off to people. We get into arguments and there's a big battle that goes on at the end of the game. We get some technicals. Then the clock magically starts running. Then they stop the clock as they're trying to get separated. The coaches were already shaking each other's hands. So now you get some technicals just to rub it in. Why does it rub in? Look in the lower right corner. 97 to 84 is the score. I had the Warriors minus 13 and a half. The hook, Mikey. I lose by a half point and get another loss. Come on. Maybe if you guys didn't screw around at the end of the game, I would have been able to cover. So I blame Steph Curry. Golden State wins, but they don't cover, and I go 0 for 2, dropping the record to 113, 981, and 9, and making it worse, I am 0 for my last 5 right now, and we've got to end the we got to end the Schneid. End the Schneid. Uh, I am going to go with all three games, although I'm a little nervous. One Baylor player is a game-time decision. Here are my games for tonight. Sacramento just beat up the Clippers pretty good, and now the Kings are headed home. Well, Miami has been laying around for a long time. They're relaxed. They're comfortable. They've had a relaxing road trip, plenty of gaps in between games. So I certainly don't have the courage to take Miami to win. But I'm getting seven and a half points with a rested team against Sacramento. I'll take Miami plus the seven and a half tonight at Sacramento. Hockey-wise, the Boston Bruins are on the last game of a very long road trip. And six of the last seven games for the Bruins have gone into overtime. They can't have the same legs at the end of a road trip. And I don't know about you, but if you're ever traveling on a long business trip, are you really focused on the last day? Or are you more focused about finally getting home? 
I'm going to take Seattle on the on the money line. Seattle is actually getting a goal and a half, but the juice is like minus 200 if you take them plus the goal and a half. So I'm going to take them to win straight out against the Boston Bruins. No doubt the Bruins are a better team. But with 6 of 7 going to OT, the last game of a Western Canada, Western U.S. road trip, I kind of like my chances. I'll take the Kraken uh, on the money line. And lastly... Baylor at TCU. TCU is unranked, but TCU is a fantastic home team. If you haven't looked at the Big 12, the Big 12 is not only loaded, but every single team is above 500 at home, even last place Oklahoma State. And most of the teams only have two or three home losses all year. So even though TCU is just outside of the top 25, and even though TCU will get into the tournament, this is not an easy game for Baylor, who's a top 15 team. But I'm getting points with Baylor at plus two and a half. And I took this game before news came out of one of their players being promoted to game time decision. So I like that. I'm going to take Baylor plus the two and a half on the road at TCU. With it only being two and a half points, I should have the courage to just take them on the money line and get the better juice. But I'll live with the minus 108 in order to, instead of the plus 120, in order to be happy with, uh, in case TCU wins a close one, I can still be able to say I got the win. So Miami and Baylor as underdogs plus the points. Seattle is an underdog, but I am taking the money line there in NBA, NHL, and college hoop. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Again, thanks a ton to all of you who made it out to Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass and those of you that met us at Trophy Bar. It was absolutely fantastic. Thanks a lot to Santan Ford, who's going to start as our newest advertiser coming up next week. They've got a couple deals on the Focus and the Mach-E that have potential 0% financing, but there are terms and conditions that apply there. So head over there and learn about if those cars are right for you. And I guarantee you, those people will treat you well. I'm actually going to uh, hopefully address everybody there to say, hey, welcome. Here's what the Unplugged Army expects from you as new advertisers. So I'm excited about Santan Ford trusting all of us here at WTSMTV.com with uh, with their upcoming advertising dollars. Just means the world. Bell's Nashville Kitchen is the home of the best sandwich in the entire state of Arizona. That is the Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich. You can also go to Rosati's in Chandler. That is located on Ray and McQueen. There's Rosati's all over the city, but only the one at Ray and McQueen is actually a sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged. And Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical 602 to repair. That's 602, the number two, the R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons for all of your heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical needs. Had uh, the owners of Parker and Sons, Paul and Tricia, over to the house Saturday night. Had a great time with them. Just fantastic and wonderful people. So trust me, I was a customer of Parker and Sons much earlier, about five or six years earlier than I started to talk about Parker and Sons on the radio. They've always shown up on time, always done a great job, always been professional. So I have never even tried any other company. Up next is the main event with Steve McCollum and Dale Hellestray on an incredibly packed weekend of sports. There's going to be a lot for them to talk about. And then don't forget about iOS coming up from at one o'clock today here on WTS. SMTV.com. Now, you're starting your week on a Monday. Let's go. Earn your pillow tonight. Drive the American economy forward so we can get to a beer Friday together. I'll see you tomorrow.